this box is the funniest thing that's ever happened to me. What are you talking about? You didn't see it? All right, no. so I posted it um, on Twitter and in the Nick's Wall group chat. Okay. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Snapchat group chat. Okay. So I bought two bottles of lotion and two boxes of cereal from Target, and they sent this, like, three-foot box. And it's, like, so common. You ordered large. two boxes of cereal and some lotion from Target? Yes. I I understand what you're saying about the ridiculousness of this box, but do you understand the ridiculousness of what you just said? You know what? how far Target is from my house? Uh, but, like, why why do you need that? Why not go to a closer convenience store? Because they don't have the sizes nor the flavor of cereal that I have requested to buy okay. online. Okay. Yeah, it, if, you're, the, if you're committed, like... I'll give it to you right there. That's commitment, and that's fine in my book. It's the cinnamon vanilla Lucky Charms holiday special. Okay, which fair. my local Niche. grocery store doesn't have. Niche. And the cinnamon uh, pebbles, like the fruity pebbles, the cocoa pebbles, but the cinnamon, I have not seen that my local grocery store. So I've turned to the internet. Yeah. They sent this huge box, and I like it's hilarious to me. My ten-year-old sister fits in the box with my dog. It's wow. it's absolutely hilarious, for four items. I, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. No, I, uh, I can't believe that. Uh, yeah. I mean, were the lotions like mega sized too, or? No, they were like normal sized. It's very odd. It makes no sense. That's Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of the TKW podcast. I'm your host tonight. I'm Kyle Maggio. With me, I have my usual co-host anthony corbo what's going on what's up man i'm here uh trey what's going on hello friend hello friend and with us today we have a special guest um we have vic hi guys what's up did you, did you want vic or did you want a full full-on oh. intro i don't know whatever you guys think is best um we got some folks who like to keep or... it kind of anonymous we got some folks who like to go with the full name so so we yeah, usually start with the shorthanded. We can do Vic. Yeah, let's do Vic. Let's do Vic. Okay. We'll throw the let's Twitter handle in there too, and it'll it'll all be good. Okay, awesome. Okay. Um, Sounds good. Cool. Okay, so uh, couple. It's been an odd, odd nixty week. Um, it has been. It has been. I, I think uh, between Joakim Noah coming back and then also being sent down and then also coming back again. Um, and then uh, KP starting off two for two. Uh, shout out Reed. He pulled the reverse Willie Reed and uh, scored two buckets Willis and then Reed left. Lim- Will- I went shorthand, but let's, let's, um, let's put some spec on that name. Okay. Okay. Fair. Is Willie so, Reed still on the Heat? Sorry. I think so. no. Isn't he on the Clippers now? In the league, it's oh. a better question. And yeah, I don't know the league. answer either. Who are we talking about? Great. So we're we're automatically in the Willis Reed versus Willie Reed discussion here. Oh. Yeah. Willie Willie Reed's on the Clippers for the record. Okay. Okay, Okay, I was right. So getting some playing time. All right. Go to the Clippers before they retire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a. It's been a wasteland lately. Yeah. Um, Props on the stone cold face. Actually, you didn't react at all. But what have the doctors told you about? When you think you're going to be able to come back, of course you're going to have to reevaluate tomorrow. But what are you thinking? I mean, <laughs> I hope it's the next game. I hope uh, I can. You know, they 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 call me the lizard because I recover so quickly from things. Um, so hopefully I'm, you know, it's not not nothing too big, and then you know I'm going to get treatment, stay stay on top of this, and and hopefully the lizard can be ready for the Sunday. So, yeah, so KP uh, looked like he shattered his ankle. I think we all assumed that instantly because we it have. Looked bad. It, it looked bad. It looked like he snapped it in half. But he's fine. He's day to day, right? 
Yeah, he's day to day somehow. Um, I think he should be fine. You know, uh, what I'm hearing from sources is that you know he he'll he'll be fine. I was actually um, hanging out with the guys last night um, with Willie, and I saw Tim Hardaway Jr. And uh, who else was there? I'm trying to think. Jared Jack was there. Um, they kind of hung out after the game. They had a great win against the Heat. And I saw them and, you know, um, I'm friends with Chris Brickley, who used to train the Knicks, and he's really good friends with them. And all I heard was they have high hopes for, you know, KP coming back from this, and he should be fine. And then, you know, I think they made it official today, so... Yeah, because I think they said it was obviously it was day to day, like you just mentioned. But also the good thing too was they were crushing Miami last night, so there was no really rush to put them in. And then they also have, I think, the next three days off. They play again Sunday, so it's kind of a good time for them to just rest and not really do a whole lot. Definitely. So uh, there was that. So thankfully, I, uh, you know, that's kind of panning out for us now. But um, speaking of. You know, guys, uh, I guess not speaking of anything, but Joakim Noah also returned to the fold. Guys with injury history. Yeah, but even still, um, I think he had a rousing two-minute performance the other night. Um, Yeah, we'll go with rousing. Yeah, rousing. Rousing is the word, I think. Uh, He had, like, a a tip block. I think he had one sweep, like, sweeping, ugly, terrible-looking layup that went in, and then he just took a seat again. (laughs) So... um, I know the answer is probably no, but is there any any hope or reason, even a smidge of optimism, that you guys think he can turn any part of this around? I don't mean in the sense that he returns to his former glory. I don't mean that he even becomes a, a good player this year. Um, he just doesn't suck as much as he sucked, I guess is what I'm asking. Is there any faith in that? I have an idea. I'm thinking G League superstar. He gets called up and down for like pretty much every uh, every Westchester Knicks game, and he didn't have quite the the game that he wanted to have against the uh, I forget who they were playing the other day, but just every he could just play in every G League game, get his uh you know get his stats up and everything like that, and then just be the hype man on the Knicks bench. That would that's kind of my dream scenario for Noah right now. He's um he'll be that uh kind of the OG. You know, the Ron Artest of the Knicks, because Ron, you know, was on the Lakers in his final season, kind of usually on the bench and just, you know, hyping the guys up and high-fiving and stuff. So I guess Joakim can come back and do that. But, you know, it's sad. It's sad to see someone that, you know, when he was on the Bulls, I was a huge fan. Um, And it's hard to see, like, like him and D-Rose now, like, where they're at mentally more than physically, you know, like obviously you can't control the physicality part of it because it's all about conditioning and, you know, watching Joe Keem at the Sky Gym, you know, late summer working out, he, his back just looked really stiff. Um, I know he, he did some treatments and some of it helped and I think that's why he was able to come back to the lineup. But, you know, when you feel the way he feels after every game where he's kind of breaking down, that's really rough. You know, so I think it's sad. It hurts to see someone like that who was as good as he was with the Bulls and as good as they were. You know, they were always in the conversation in the Eastern Conference. Um, Yeah, but I, I really, again, going back to that question... I don't think he will, he'll come back and, and be comfortable with, with where he's at because these players have egos, you know, they, they feel some type of way and there's just nothing they can do about it. So they feel useless sometimes in these situations. That's why he said he felt like his body just gave up on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, just on, because you mentioned Ron Artest, did you guys see that uh, Ron Artest and Steven Jackson will be co-captaining a uh, big three team next year? Yes. I did. I did. I'm very excited about it. I can't wait for that. We gotta we gotta meet up for that or something like that. That's gonna be like the most physical game of basketball I've ever savagery. watched. It's gonna be savagery. Sidebar, did you guys enjoy the inaugural season of Big Three? Because I did. I got to uh, a game. Did anyone else? 
I did not. You were lucky. Yeah. I went to one of Barclays. I I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. I I, I feel like it's kind of better from a distance. Um, I I, I didn't I, necessarily enjoy the game all that much. Uh, it was an interesting thing to watch though. Like it was kind of cool seeing the guys out there. Like there's something neat about watching like Katina Mobley put up 21 points in the game to like 50. But yeah, other than that, like the experience itself wasn't all that great. I'm hoping for more out of, out of year two. I guess I had low expectations maybe because when they announced it, I was like, there's no way this is going to be good. And then I watched a couple of games and I guess my bar was set really low. So I was like, ah, oh, this is actually not terrible. This is okay. I thought this was going to fall flat on its face and they were going to fold in three games, but this is decent. So I think that's where I'm getting my aspect of it from. They need like legit bets to come out though. They need, they need a couple of bigger names. I think Ron Artest is actually a, a pretty big step in the right direction, but for year two, I'm kind of, I kind of want to see more, uh, you know, just more big name bets come out and play kind of, Guys that the league hasn't seen in a while, even like street ball players or like, uh, like you know, guys who didn't make it in the NBA or anything like that. Like, like more of those kind of guys who kind of like I don't know, just get, give me a little bit more because I was not necessarily satisfied with like the competition I was seeing on the court. Do you imagine like Ray Ferrolson in that league or like the professor or sure can? Know. It would be RPS it would be, I mean, it's already like uh, just pretty much a show. Like, you know, it's it's three on three basketball on a half court with a four point shot. Like, just just give me some entertainment in there and I'm good to go. Right. I agree. I mean, I just I kind of saw a few people, players getting injured and mm-hmm. Iverson uh, being there for a few games. I don't know. I just felt like they need to be a little better put together. Um and I can't maybe brand is a little better. Yeah. But you know, I think I think it's a dope concept as a whole. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, it'll get better going forward. You know, maybe once they have that first season under the belt, they could work out some of the kinks, but Yeah, get give me see. give me the Ron Artest Steven Jackson like collaboration right there. That's enough to draw me back in. And we'll go from there. Okay. Um sort of on the no- back before to the noble point. Where do you guys stand on seeing a vet like that go down to the G League? Because to me, I think it's actually, I think it's fine. I think it's actually the NBA's making good use of it the last two or three seasons. So, I, I mean, obviously, yes, he's making $72 million, so the jokes are going to fly about a guy going down there. But I just think it's a good benefit. I think maybe is some of the stigma sort of coming away from that now, or how do you guys feel about it? It absolutely is. I mean, the Knicks didn't really get criticized for it. It's just the joke that Joe Kim knows on this terrible contract, given what mm-hmm. he is. Um, but the Spurs just utilized it in the same fashion when they sent Tony Parker down there. Correct. And, like, there was no jokes about that because that's how you're supposed to utilize it. It's like playing baseball. You send the guy who's rehabbing into the minors to get a couple um, games under his belt before he comes back. And if the NBA can utilize the G League in that same sense, then that's probably the future of it moving forward. Right, it's just, you know, the New York media, they're going to always be those guys, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think the fans, too, like, obviously, it's just funny to make jokes about the Knicks. So, yes, it's kind of a little too much. Um, That contract is, you know, it's not a great one, and I think that it's been established. Um, But, yeah, you know, other teams make mistakes, but I think... The Knicks are always going to get the worst of it in any situation. This is very, very true. We're ready for it. That's what we're here for. Gives us something to talk I, about. I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, all right. One thing I did really want to touch on today, um, Cantor's missed some games. Cantor's been injured. You know, we know with the back issues. Um, KP was a bit inconsistent for a while. You know, he sat out a game or two before. One guy that's really stepped up, whether it was as the one option, the two option, another guy that kind of caught flack for his contract over this summer was uh, Tim Hardaway. What is it about playing with this group of guys that's helping you get your game to the next level? Everybody's unselfish on this team, man. We feed off the crowd, we feed off the energy, and um, we just wanted to make sure we came out and get a win. He's playing really well as a whole, and I think that kind of gets over. That's my guy. 
Yeah. Love Tim. Love Tim. Yeah. Uh, listen, Tim has been, you know, he's just been going in this summer. You know, he's really, really focused, and I'm very happy for him. But yes, continue. Sorry. Oh no, I just I want you to you know help build off that because I kind of I kind of didn't see the out the outrage at first with the contract because well yes it was an overpay I think everybody can agree to to some degree it was an overpay um, in restricted free agency you're gonna have to pay up I mean you could argue if they paid five ten you know maybe million over what the uh, Hawks were gonna do. It's very easy for the Hawks afterwards to report and say, oh, well, we were only going to go up to $50 million anyway. You never really know. So the game is the game with these restricted free agency contracts. But I didn't think it was like a wildly gross overpay. I just thought like it, you're sort of just betting a lot on a young guy that you previously had that he's improved a lot. And I have really liked what I've seen from him as a whole um, this season. There's just like an added playmaking ability we never saw before in New York. Um, defensively, he's been better. You know, shooting, he's still a little bit street, uh, streaky, but at least he's, I feel like he's getting to the line a little bit more. I can't really confirm that. I haven't looked at the numbers, but it feels that way. Um, I don't know. I just, I like what I'm seeing. Like, the, you bet on a young 25-year-old guy I at a position of need. I kind of like what I've been seeing so far, and I like how he stepped up. You know, I think that a lot of that um, aggressiveness that you're seeing in him is something that's been implemented in him very early on. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but his so his personal guy, his personal trainer, Chris, that we spoke about earlier, Chris Brickley, he actually started with the Knicks when Tim was um, drafted. So I think, you know, that was a big part of them two coming into the Knicks organization together and kind of growing together. You know, they became really good friends and of going back to that, you know, it may sound a little annoying at this point, but going back to the summer, you know, just like watching him in there. And that's the one thing that I kept hearing Chris call out every time they had those crazy runs with all those other guys in there is just be aggressive, you know, just go for it. And I feel like Tim has, has kind of let go of whatever chip he had on his shoulder and he's just kind of playing now. He's actually like, you know, immersing himself in the game, which is great to see. Yeah, he definitely looks like he's added elements to his game. Specifically, like, he can playmake now at a level that he flat out could not his last stint in New York. And he's definitely looked to improve his skills. Um, just just kind of unfortunate that the statistics aren't really backing that up. Like, you see the progress that he's made in his game. But then, like, if you just go on to Basketball Reference and just, like, look... He's improving, but it, like it's very slight. Um, he is getting to the line slightly better. I guess it's 23-7 to 23-5 last year. But it's so much better than his first in New York. So like you see that he went to Atlanta. He worked on his skills, worked on his craft. And then, like Vic said, over the summer, you can definitely see the elements of his game that he added. So he is. Um, it is kind of exciting to see what he can do or what he has done and what he can do in the future. Um, I'm here for it. I hope he keeps um, continuing to improve, but yeah, that contract still like kind of looms over him, and he's going to be fine. It's just he's going to have to play um, up to that contract, and that's going to be a lot of things that fans aren't really going to be able to put aside or like to separate the two ideas there. So we had a we had a bit of a discussion the other day in our uh, in our chat that. You know, his numbers are looking a lot like Jared Smith's numbers did when he won sixth man of the year with us. So I, I don't know. I guess I'm just curious what you guys make more of that. Like, Trey, you mentioned something about that being like peak level JR versus Hardaway not at his peak right now. Do you think that like Hardaway is getting better from here? Uh, or I don't know. What, what does that mean towards Hardaway's projection, I guess? If you were to project Tim Hardaway Jr., you would expect his peak to be higher than J.R. Smith's. Um, not a slight to JR at all. He's a very talented basketball player, but he peaked at 27-ish. Um, that was the the very good Knicks season where he was sixth man of the year. And Tim Hardaway is 25 right now, and his numbers almost mirror what uh, Smith did that, in that season. So you have that combined with JR was the number one option off the bench, so he had more of a green light than Hardaway does because Hardaway is probably the two or th or three option. Depends on where you kind of value Cantor. 
And again, like it's only through 21 games, but if it's very comparable to Jared Smith, like that makes you a good basketball player. Uh, so he should end up being better than Smith in next year, the year after, whatever. But it's just very interesting to compare those two seasons and just take a look at it. It's kind of fun. You know, one thing that I was looking at just now, I ran the numbers for his last 10 games. And just the traditional splits, and while the shooting numbers aren't exactly where you want them to be, I mean, he's shooting 43% as a whole, 32% from three. Um, he has been getting to the line more because when I said compared to the rest of his career, I think the his career high before this was like two free throw attempts a game, and the last 10 games he's at three and a half. Um, 18.3 points. The playmaking abilities there because he has, you know, 4.1 assists, the 1.4 seven turnovers uh 1.2 steals 4.5 rebounds it's like there's just more to him now which is why you can deal with before if he wasn't shooting well there was nothing else that first at new york while yeah he was young there was just nothing else it was very bare bones but now he's not shooting well he's being aggressive getting to the rim a little bit more you know he's trying to take it into the paint you know he's dishing out at a much higher rate than he has than the rest of his career you know with the rebounding's better defense has been a little bit better that's why I get excited if he, he's starting to see the big picture now, and this is a, getting to be a fairly big sample of him playing mostly that way, whether the shots are falling or not, the other things are consistent. And that's something to get excited about. You want guys who are playing that way. Yeah. And I guess kind of a, a question I have for Vic too. Um, like, cause you know, we're, we kind of been talking about uh, Brickley a little bit here and there, and I want to ask you more about those sessions in particular a little bit later on. But, you know, Tim Hardaway is like a guy that we see. He's like one of the streakiest players I think I've ever watched play in my life. I think I call him the most infuriating player I've ever watched play. Um, wow. And because I, I love him so much when he is on and he's just so hard to watch when he's off. So I, I guess from like, you know, seeing him play in person, seeing him training a little bit and, you know, getting prepared for the season, like. I guess I guess what would your response be to that when you you know having a little bit of an in-person view? Um, I see where that's coming from. You know, uh, I don't think you know being in there. Maybe I don't know for twelve sessions. I would say while he was there, I don't think I've ever seen him like be super consistent so I understand where that's coming from like he would have days but it also depended on the competition like some days you had when during fashion week you had like Westbrook in there you had Harden you had Chris Paul he was there Devin Booker was there JR was there um so he would you know like Chris would like yell out a few, a few times like let's go Timmy like you know get aggressive and you know, you would see him hit some some shots, and you know those were amazing. And yes, he would have like a full ten, like they would go ten minutes, ten minutes, right? So he would have a few of those where he just didn't score at all, or he, he you know, he wasn't really getting the ball, he wasn't asking for the ball, and that's where Chris was like, okay, you need to, like, he would just grab him and he would go get aggressive, and so, then he would do that. So yeah. I think you know. Is it like mostly, I mean, when you say like, you know, he's not like, so you see it, he's not totally consistent. Is it like just because he's not asking for the ball, like you're saying, or is it something with just like what his motivation is or like I think it was, I, more of his form or yeah. Yeah, I think it was very motivated. He is very motivated. Um, he was, you know, he's one of those guys that's always on time. He's in no way a diva. He's very down to earth. And uh and, um, you know, I just feel like for him it was maybe he didn't want to take away from everyone else being there, so he didn't want too much attention on him. But that's exactly what Chris was telling him. Like, own this moment, right? Like, this like this can be the transition point to where, like, he can make the New York Knicks his team, right? Like, he can be that guy, him and KP together, they can take this team to the next level. So that's kind of what Chris was trying to implement, and I think it stuck with him, and I think that's why he's playing better this season. You know, I, I again, I haven't really looked at the numbers. Uh, I think it's too early to look at numbers. Maybe at the end of the year I, I will, and I kind of will see more of those streaky, you know, situations that you guys are speaking about. But 
you know, for him, I think it's all about confidence and the way he's playing right now, you know, just from seeing him yesterday, he's more confident and I hope that sticks with him because when he is, he really is amazing. So, yeah, well, you know, like I said, I think we're all getting to the point where we're believing him a little bit more. Um, Another guy who's been playing exceptionally well this season is Ennis Cantor. I don't know if you get to hang with him uh, at all, but he seems like a super fun guy. I mean, first of all, just look around you guys. This is amazing. I never seen any, anything like this before, man. I mean, I want to appreciate everybody. I cannot say enough how much you guys helping us. And it's been huge. You know, you guys are the six men. Are we down by 20, up by 20? You guys are always there for us. So first of all, I want to thank you guys, everybody. Appreciate it. Very important, I think, uh, for chemistry purposes as well as encore purposes this year because he's been playing out of his mind to start the season. What do you think about Ennis Cantor on this team right now? Um, I think he's like that X Factor, kind of. You know, I think he's really entertaining. I don't agree with people saying he shouldn't talk as much as he is. Because at the end of the day, you know, people like the competition. I think it's uh, it's healthy. He's he's funny, you know. Like, I know some players, not going to name names, but I know some players who don't really love what Joel Embiid is doing with, you know, all the tweeting and talking shit and whatever. But I think Cantor hasn't gotten to the level where it's, like, obnoxious, in my opinion. I don't think... Um, it's hindering the team in any way. Uh, you know, we all know how great LeBron is and that little altercation situation they had, like, that shouldn't mean, any, shouldn't mean anything. Yeah, but you know how social media is and you know how the media is in general, so they'll make a huge deal out of it and they'll try to find little things there that, you know, aren't necessarily there. But yeah, that's, but yeah that's, I, think, I think it's healthy. I think it's good. <laughs> that's what I love about it. I, I, I love what everything Cantor's doing with the team right now. Like, you know, it shows like he's he just doesn't take it all seriously. Like, there's just so many of these dudes who like and yeah, take like take it seriously. It's your craft with your people you work with. This is what you've been working your whole life to do. But you could you're also in a position where you can have a lot of fun with everything that you have going on around you when you're an NBA player. And I think Cantor realizes that. And I think part of it might be, you know, the rough things that are going on in Turkey and, you know, what he's kind of subjected to with all that. Um, But yeah, I like he's just he just seems like the kind of guy who's like he's going to root for his team. I know people have kind of been on him because, you know, he's he's a bit of a he's kind of just roots for whatever team he's on at that time. And he and he, uh, you know, he's not exactly loyal to a fan base, I guess they would say now. I which is whatever. Uh, I mean, like, roof your team. That's what you're supposed to do. Listen, here's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, he said he, when um, they traded him to the Knicks, he asked the Warriors to beat uh, – he asked OKC to beat the Warriors because, you know, he had that – a little bit of his heart there. And I feel like, you know, his tweet to the OKC fan base was amazing. And yeah. – you know, I just, I, I don't see that as, you know, there's a lot of players who, are, who go to different teams. Like, you know, look at Shaq. Like, Shaq's been on a bunch of teams and so I have other great players. I don't think Cantor deserves any of the, you know, the wild accusations. But, you know, it is what it is. Like, he's just having fun. I'm good with just yeah. letting him have fun. It's fun to watch him have fun. Right, it's fun. And Twitter is that platform for players to say what they couldn't necessarily you know during post-game interviews and stuff like that so I appreciate that I think it gives us an insight to how these guys think and it's it's all fun and jokes I don't think it's anything too crazy you know Um, I'm sure Enos Cantor is not doesn't have people outside LeBron's house you know watching him it's not that wild but yeah, I don't know. I just hope he comes back healthy and they can get another another win, hopefully against the Cavs and not botch the game like they did a few weeks ago. It was a moral victory. It yeah, a moral victory. Uh, it was a hard one to watch, not going <laughs> to lie. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like he's playing well, and he's he's just you know he's doing he's doing a lot of the things that we kind of were hoping Billy was going to do this year. I know things haven't quite worked out with him uh, as well as anyone would really hope for. But I mean, like Cantor is the is proving to be pretty you know decent on defense. I think we even do we have a piece coming out on that tomorrow? I believe. Or soon, or we we have some, we have something soon. Yeah, something, so, something soon coming out about that. Keep an eye on the site. Um, but yeah, like he he's you know being all right defensively. He's really like an offensive monster who like is doing a lot of things that look a little outdated out there. But he's like making them succeed really well and this complimenting KP pretty well. And I, it's just yeah, it's kind of like uh like what Vic was saying. You got Tim Hardaway there who could you know if he's got his confidence where it should be, he can take the team up to the next level. You've got KP obviously you know he doesn't need to ball out and put up thirty five a game like he was at the beginning of the season, but being the rock. And then you have you can have Cantor down there who's just like that really solid third guy, um, and that might be if you keep them together that might be a decent core to you know to try something with in a couple of years. Yeah, you know, um, how old is Cantor? He's 25. He's 25. Yeah. yeah, super young. That's another guy who was at the at the gym in the summer a lot. Um, just working on his game. Super nice guy. Like, he'll just, you know, you'll say hi to him. How are you? And he'll become your best friend in a second. You know, he's very, he has a big heart. You can tell. He's fun. I think every team needs a guy like that, you know. Um, like the Lakers had Swaggy P, and like every team should have that guy who's kind of like the jokester, and you know, you know, you you can trust him. You can tell that these guys trust him. They trust each other. They have really good team energy. I don't I don't think there's anything like any drama happening. Um, you know, I think it's like a clean slate for them to really like do something here. You know, with this team, hopefully, uh, because I think. You know, the waters were a little tainted the last couple of seasons, and now it's kind of open, and I don't think, you know, by any means it was Melo's fault. I think it was different aspects that came into that. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like this is nice and fresh and clean, and they can, you know, hopefully no no injuries. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's, your, it's kind of something you were saying, too, hanging out with them last night. It's just kind of that's probably the mentality that's going through the whole locker room right now, too. I, I got to imagine that's kind of what all the players are feeling like. You know, they're here and they have a chance to completely turn this team around and bring it back from just the laughing stop, stock of an organization that it was like the last couple of years. And not even just in record, but like with how it was being run and what was going on with Melo and everything and I don't know. I, I think if I were in their shoes, I feel like I'd be excited about doing something new. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can tell. Like, guys like Jared Jack, you know, he was on the Nets, too. and He had um, a rough injury, and, you know, Courtney Lee is there, and they all seem to really like each other. They're responsible. I don't see anything too crazy, you know, just being on the nightlife scene and stuff. I think they know where they're at. They know where they want to be. And the goal is very clear, right? So let's hope for the best. Again, injuries suck, but KP is good. So see what happens. Did the Knicks win the Mellow trade? Through, I think what maybe. are we at, 18 games? 19 games? Well, 18 games for Canner. I think it's 21, 22-ish for the Knicks. Um, so for all 18 games of cancer, yes, I mean, that's all we can go off of is the 18 and games we have so far. And some decent play, too. Dougie, look, Dougie McDuncan's been throwing it down. He's not just a three-point shooter. He's had a nice little all-around touch so far this year. Cantor's just, look, Cantor's balling out of his fucking mind. I don't know what, it's not just the offense. We've seen the offense before, but he's also playing, like, more than passable defense. Again, very early, very early. We're, like, barely a quarter of the way through the season. I understand. I do. But we can only talk about what has happened so far. And what has transpired is Ennis Cantor is a damn good basketball player, better than we thought we were getting. So that is a fun, enjoyable thing. Uh, mix that with him being a fun guy as a whole. That's, I think, why people are having fun this season. You know, we didn't want, after like, what, five games, we're just like, eh, I don't really care if we take anymore. You know, it was just fun. Let's just see where this season goes. You know, we I think we're all pining for a playoff berth after this. So 
I don't know. I mean, I would say through 18 Ennis Cantor games or, you know, whatever. Yeah, 18 Ennis Cantor games, I think they've won. That could change drastically in the next 18 games. But through these 18 games, I think he's won, uh, the Knicks have won this. Is this going to be the first year that Cantor gets, uh, becomes injury prone? He has not missed very much time in the last hey, few hey, years. Uh, well, why don't, we, why don't we fucking relax over there, right? All right. Well, yeah, I just on, know that it's the on. fucking Knicks, buddy. And I have seen my share of injury-riddled Knicks before. Excuse me for being pessimistic. Fair. Fair. Very fair. But also, don't wish ill. No, I'm not wishing ill. I just mean, like, I, I guess I'm wondering, you know, do you guys think his back is going to be all right? I think he'll be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. You know, I don't think it was anything too crazy. I mean, look at the Nets. You know, like a guy like D'Angelo Russell coming in, um, he has he's playing amazing, right? And then there's clearly an injury there, and they're not even telling people. Like this dude had an in, like a whole surgery, right? And then they're like, oh yeah, we don't know when he'll be back. So at least you know you're not in that position where something super serious is happening, where it's really hindering your your team. Um, but yeah, also I don't know what the Nets were thinking with that, but. I digress. Hit it, Maestro. You know I own a basketball team for most people that would be fun kid it's a living hell always some asshole telling me to sell orange and blue on this suit good luck good luck to the dancing crew i think the hottest pressing next issue right now that we would have to discuss is the James Dolan video. Trey, can you please oh, no. uh, get into this for us? I don't know where to begin with this. I don't understand what happened. I don't think he understands that he's the joke here. For whatever reason, okay, so background. Deadspin had some type of awards, I believe, and they asked James Dolan to submit a song to be played. Of course they did. So he, of course, obliged. I believe he took a song that he had previously written, recorded, and just yeah. changed the lyrics. Title to track the of his new album. Of course, because we're all up on the latest and greatest James Dolan hits. Um, so he took that play. song, switched the lyrics, applied it to the Knicks, and then submitted it to Deadspin to play at their award show to close out the show. Now, the content of the song, I don't understand. He's basically complaining that everyone wants him to sell the team, that he actually hates being the owner of the team because it's such a burden because he's a trust fund kid. And it's like, why would you not just sell the team if you hate it this much? But I get it. It's literally printing money at this point, the Knicks are. And he's lip syncing in the video, which is very fun to witness. Not very fun, but he's also not actually playing the guitar. He's got just wild lyrics about how he should be selling the team, how everyone's calling him a dope, and orange and blue run the zoo, and I'm not quite sure what that means. Something with the kazoo, I'm sure, got in there. Um, sniffing glue was harmonized. I yeah, I liked um, I liked the mention of LeBron James coming to New York. That was uh, that was kind of the lines that started catching me. I, I here's what I think happened with this. I think he was at band practice, and I think that he saw, he read a couple of tweets. He got real upset, and he was kind of having a bit of a breakdown over it. And then someone from his band was like, "Now nah, you know what, JD, we're gonna we're gonna go record a cover, and we're gonna send it right to Deadspin." Um, so then from there, like they just proceeded to you know they recorded it, they hopped in the studio because when I first put the song on, I started listening to it, and I'm like. You know, this isn't my jam, but it doesn't sound terrible until he starts singing. 
So I'm like, of course not, because he's James Dolan. He's got billions of dollars, so he'll just hire good, actual good musicians to record the backing track for him. And then just... It's like when you... Uh, it's like coloring... Way, it's like scribbling in a coloring book, you know? I don't know. Like, he is just... My lord, sure. that was... Like, it's it's not terrible, and then he opens his mouth, and it is. And it's kind of like our existence as Knicks fans. Trey, didn't... You said Harper... Did a breakdown of it line by line? Yeah, him and James Herbert on um, Leverage and Chats Talking Hoops podcast. And how did that go? Can you uh, say some details? So they start playing the song live on the podcast, and they're just, after every James Dolan line, they give like a quick one-hit comment. It's absolutely hilarious. I do think, going back to Anthony's point about the LeBron James comment that Dolan makes, Maybe this is the tampering scandal where we've all been waiting for and removes him from the team. Because couldn't it be Ooh. tampering if he's talking about trying to sign LeBron James when LeBron James is currently under contract in the NBA? Like, isn't that kind of tampering, so to speak? Kind of. For sure, it's kind of. Um, so maybe this is how we get him out of here. Maybe this was a blessing in, dis- in disguise. So shout out Deadspin. Do you know the, like, exact, the exact line that, uh, that they mentioned, uh, that he mentioned LeBron James? It, he said something about um, a fan. Ask fans, ask him, is there any chance we get LeBron James? Mm. Does he respond to that directly? Unfortunately, not. God damn, it's not can, tampering. Maybe we can slightly alter the audio or something. I don't know. Are you? I don't know. Are you trying to? It's going to take a heavier bribe than that to get me to do that. I mean, it's the well-being of the Knicks. I this didn't think it. T- I didn't think it took that much. This is true. <sighs> All right. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible, and I'm uh, I'm worse off for having seen it. Um, so, I guess before we wrap things up, uh, Vic, if you want to plug anything, uh, maybe talk about what you do at franchise. Uh, sure. Plug time. Uh. Well, well, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Franchise. If you have a copy, I would love to send you some. Uh, basically, Franchise is a magazine that um, Justin, Chris, and Brock started. These three amazing, you know, NBA fans all have, you know, other amazing lit jobs. But this was kind of like a passion project that they started. Um, the first issue came out last summer. They sent me a copy, and, um, you know, I was immediately on board. It's kind of like everything that you see in basketball culture put together in one really artistic. It's all about the visuals with us, right? So super artistic um, basketball culture magazine, kind of like a coffee table book. So, you know, we talked to very influential designers who a lot of players wear. We talked to players, for example, in issue four, um, Ben Lyons, who's another crazy Knicks fan, and <laughs> love him. Shout out, Ben. Um, he interviewed Serge Ibaka about, you know, growing up in the Congo and the basketball culture over there. So, you know, it's not just about the NBA. It's about covering basketball and you know, the love and passion that people have for the game all around the world. And, um, you know, it's it's been going great. So issue four is now available for pre-order and uh, we'll be in stores like, you know, I'm sure you guys go to Kith and, and opening ceremony and flight club and all those dope little spots. So, you know, issue four will be there in a few weeks. And yeah, that's that. I don't know if you guys have any questions about it, but I just want—I just wanted to say the weekly videos that come out from franchise. I think Keith does it of Oakley. Shout out to Keith. Shout Yo, to those Keith. those are the craziest videos. I look forward to them every. Is it Monday? I think it's Monday. I catch them on Mondays. So I think they come out. I post day. them. I post them either on Mondays or Tuesdays. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, those are just awesome. It's for anyone who is not familiar. He kind of like takes these 90s hip-hop beats and puts them over yes. just the weekly highlights. And he kind of... Makes it funny. Like, There's some funny stuff in there. Yeah. And he, like, kind of distorts the video so it's a little more grainy. 
and it like looks vintage, but it's like, you know, Ben Simmons or LeBron or like current day players doing like the crazy highlights throughout the week. So, yeah, I definitely have a lot of fun uh, going through that and, and picking the image that's going to be uh, the main one, like before the video starts. So this week it was, um, you know, that OKC Warriors game where Westbrook, I think, I believe it was Draymond and um, Katie were all clapping at each other during the game. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's really fun to work with these guys. Um, Chris is our creative director. Justin is editor-in-chief. And, you know, it's, it's a great team. I kind of hold it down in New York. They're out on the West Coast. And it's a really, like, great group of people. You know, like I said, Ben Lyons came on the team. Shout out to Ben. Um, yeah, and it's fun. Going to Knicks Lakers on the 12th with Ben. So me, a Laker fan, sorry, guys. But always supported the Knicks because I'm, you know, I'm a New Yorker. What am I going to do? But uh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be a good time. Um, I just had one question on the magazine. I was looking sure. I was looking at issue four before. I looked at the cover and I, the artwork is beautiful. I wanted to, who does the artwork? Because, I mean, the other covers obviously were, the whole magazine's aesthetically pleasing, but the, the fourth cover, like, really jumped at me. Right. So uh, the cover is by this amazing artist, Nina Chanel. She actually um, has a gallery opening in Soho right now. You know, she's worked with really big names, and it's kind of a little bit of both. You know, you, you get artists who reach out to us, and then we reach out to other artists. So it's kind of like a nice... 50-50 situation right now. Um, it's a little bit of curating and it's a little bit of um, creative content that's specifically for the magazine. So yeah, Nina sent over her stuff. There's more, the cover is not, um, you know, the only thing she's, she's done in it. So issue four has more of her work. And, you know, it's really just, like you said, it's visually pleasing. So I think we really did that with issue four, definitely. Okay. Yeah, these are all, like, the artwork's all really cool. Like, the shot on two, it's just California palm trees and a basketball hoop. It's like, simple, it's, but it's, it's Yeah, still... like, exactly. And on issue one, is that, like, Miami-type area? It looks like a, a super nice area. That is a South Beach, yeah. It's a South okay. Beach. It's at a hotel, actually. And I, I've seen that image so many times. You know, people go to these courts just to take the pictures of you know because it's so colorful and, and and it's beautiful there so yeah we feature actually issue two has more of those like cause did some uh painted some basketball courts i'm sure you guys are familiar with um his work so yeah there's uh actually the courts on christie street are painted by him in the lower okay. east side they're just beautiful, you know. I've seen so many photo shoots take place there with Adidas, with Nike, with other big name brands. So, you know, it's fun to feature and show the world that because not everyone can be in New York and not everyone knows what the street basketball street culture is like. I feel like we just found a spot for TKW hoops. Do it, yes. Do you imagine? Look, I, I challenged Zach Harper over the summer to a game of Fan Rag versus TKW. He accepted, and now he's been ducking me. Did we not bring so, that up on the pod with him like three weeks ago? No, so I, I completely uh, completely forgot. Wasted opportunity. I and, but I, I've been tweeting him, and now he's been ducking me. So yeah, we'll, we'll get it together. Sense. He's not going to duck me forever. He'll be back over on this end of the world. Do you hear that, Harper? Coast, so we're coming. I'm, I'm going to tweet him right now. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. As long as you're, you got to be on Team TKW. Sure. Yeah. Whatever you guys would need me to be, I'll right. do it. I'll, right. uh, I'll be. I'll cheer for you. Okay. We need you running point. I don't know. You know the court best. Uh, no, guys. I'm really good at uh, keeping score. I actually <laughs> uh, kept score during those a few of those crazy runs, and I legit had a few big name players, uh, you know, looking at me funny because I counted <laughs> one point or two points, and I was like, you know, Russ, I see you with the with the toe on the line that was that was a one pointer not a two so i'm not giving you that but yeah you know that was fun i guess wait hold, kinda, on, hold on yeah nba players play by ones and twos and yes. oh that's so yes. terrible 
Um, I kind of, I guess, just to end off real quick, I meant to do this a couple of minutes ago, but I wanted to sure. get one last question in about uh, just the Berkeley sessions that you were at. Um, I guess, what was the, the thing that stood out the most to you there? Who was the player that really surprised you the most, like watching them in that setting? Oh, definitely Mello. Absolutely. It you was Mello's whole thing, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, Black Ops is something that Mello and Brickley started together. They're really good friends. It's like insane how much they know about each other. You can genuinely see the love and concern they have for one another, you know. And um, it was fun, like, coming in and Mello, you know, I, I brought a few copies for him and he immediately said, oh, I, I saw this. This is, this is the Bible right here. So, you know, verbatim. So it was, it, it's really Damn. fun to quote that, to yeah, to quote Mello, you know, calling franchise the Bible. That's but insane. But just seeing how these guys interact and, you know, Mello is a guy who cares about all these other things, right? Like, not a lot of people know this, but he has an insane amount of really, really expensive art. Um, he's a collector. He loves fashion. He just did a, a Valentino campaign. I think, you know, he's very immersed in other things, but... I just didn't know how much this man worked on his game. Like, right? Like every day, like walking in, conditioning, then training, then playing. So like he would be in there a good amount of time. And he just attracted, like he's really good friends with a lot of guys that are, you know, huge in the NBA. And just the amount of people he attracted there, you know, like James Harden just comes through, we see him at dinner, and James is like, yeah, I'll be there, it works. And then Chris Paul comes through, you know, for a day. So, I don't know, it was, it was just like a vibe that I don't think I'll ever see anything like that again, because you're at a game and you can even sit courtside, but it's, it's just, it's different. I don't know. I'm very, very thankful and lucky that I got to be in there. Yeah, no, it sounded like it was a great time. You uh, witnessed I mean, the birth of Hoodie Mello. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think the birth of it was that video that uh, Brickley had of Mello in the rain at night at a soccer field, just running, right? I think that's what started it, because um, everyone started talking about it. But, yeah, that happened at 2 a.m., so Mello will be that guy. Like, we hear stories like that about Kobe, like, hitting coaches up and people to open a gym for him to shoot. I can tell you for sure Melo is one of those guys. Like, you think he, you know, people have called him anywhere from bum to lazy. That is just false, you know? And I don't mind confirming that to the world. And every time someone asks me, I say that because he was really, like, like, the game is everything for him, and his son, obviously, is everything for him. But, like, th those are the two things that he cares most about. So he'll be that guy, like, he'll hit Chris up at 2 a.m. or whatever, and he'll be like, let's go shoot. Let's go just run. Let's go, you know. So, you know, that was fun to see. But now I have a question for you guys. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shoot. How do you think uh, Mello's return to the garden will be like it is happening december 16th round of applause yeah i think very he'll be received really warmly yeah i i don't i mean there's going to be a couple idiots who are booing and i mean say what you want about the the tenure as a whole the team success but uh, i mean they put some just bad bad teams around him especially the last four or five years really mm -hmm. after that 2012 year everything just kind of devolved so i don't i mean say what you want about the guy and he has his flaws for sure but i mean he gave what he could on just a team going nowhere for quite some time so i don't think i don't think I, it's really fair to give him anything but the applause that he deserves i agree i think you know i think his heart is with new york i think he really genuinely wanted to be here it didn't work out and you know those last i saw him the day before he got traded and he just seemed at peace like there may have been some some tensions there earlier but he was just smiling and he was like i'll catch you later and, and then i had a, i don't know why i was i had like a weird 
feeling that, okay, I won't see him for a while. But I am going to OKC on Sunday Okay. To see uh, OKC Spurs. Apparently, I have courtside seats, so uh, oh. I'll be out there. Yes, All totally right. last minute. I don't know, just happened today. But very excited. I've never been to Oklahoma before, so you guys pray for me. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've never been. I have nothing to, uh, no way to warn you on anything, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I just feel like uh, that arena is very fun and wild, so I'm excited to experience that. Um, but, yeah, but I, I really, I agree with you guys. I think, you know, He'll be uh, he'll be getting a very warm welcome here. Welcome back. Thinking about getting a a, a mellow uh, statement jersey. Ooh, yes. Those I those are fire. Those I wish fire. OKC was playing like really well right now because I would have already bought one. Yeah, they're not that great at the moment. They're going through some some issues. I mean, they just lost by twenty. Like they beat the Warriors and then they lost like I think two or three games. By a lot. Yeah, the magic beat the brakes off of them. That was that. Very, that, very that weird, crossover. Yeah. He did. All right, he, he tripped on Stephen Adams' foot. I watched it at six in, uh, six in the morning, and at first I thought, "Wow, like that's about as bad as Russ is gonna get got in his career." And then I watched it like two or three more times after I had my coffee, and I was like, "He for sure stepped on Stephen Adams' foot. There's no way. It, okay. it's the, the optics look bad, but he stepped on his foot." Fair enough. All right. Okay. A cool. very pressing mellow question before we leave. Yes. Okay. Hoodie mellow or bodega mellow and why? Oh. Hmm. Oh my god. Like I said, mellow. it's very pressing. Bodega mellow. I like wow. bodega mellow too. You know why? Because he had that whole like Team USA swag going. I don't know. It depends on the like fight, bodega. man. Like Bo bodega mellow is an annual figure. You could always be Bodega Mellow. You can only be Hoodie Summer, uh, Hoodie Mellow in the summertime. I think it's Street Fight Bodega Mellow, and if you put him in the ring, it's going to be Hoodie Mellow. Yes, I, I, I what he said. I'm going with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else, guys? I think that's about I'm it. Sure, you know, who would you pick? Who would you pick? You're going to go Ooh. Hoodie Mellow. All right, you guys. I try to uh, do a fast one there and get out of answering. No, well, you got to answer now, buddy. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Hoodie Mello, unlike everybody else. It it just felt like such a a bigger phenomenon when it happened. Like the Bodega Mello, it was obviously super cool and amazing to see. Like it's 3 a.m. and dude just needs to go grab a couple of things, so he did it. But the Hoodie Mello thing just it felt like such a culture changing thing that happened in the NBA off season this year. Right. I agree. I mean, Jordan Brand made those uh, uh, hoodies and sweatshirts or whatever, but I feel like they should they should build. Let's build, fam. Like, yeah, let, the whole hoodie mellow thing. Like, I don't get, the <laughs> get the bodega mellow robe. Ooh. I'd buy that. Ooh. A oh, no. hoodie robe. A robe Ooh. with a hoodie. Yo, please tell wow. Anthony, I can't be giving away these ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah keep them quiet. We, uh, we do have a merch store. We need to get you a check. Yeah, really. I'm gonna tweet at Jumpman and be like, "Yo, DM me. I got an idea." No, <laughs> good, for real. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they should do like those shoes, kind of like what Virgil did, and with those um, quotation marks, and just do hoodie. That could work. Collab. I collab. Yes. Yo, pitch these to Melo on Sunday when you see him. Oh, facts. You know I'm in there. <laughs> He's an that. idea, man. You walk in with something, he might give you some time. Right? No, I'm just gonna go to the game with a robe on, guys. I'm gonna find a robe <laughs> at the hotel. I will get a black sharpie. I will put hoodie on it in quotation marks, and I'm basically Virgil out here in these streets, <laughs> in these fashion streets. Just get get like a uh, like a removable hood and sew it onto the back. So innovative. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Can I do some plug-in before we get out of here? Go ahead, my friend. All right. We got um, we got some new pieces up on the site. We got Mike Cortez came up with a good piece on the Knicks bench that's live right now. Uh, our latest retweet on the site is Trey uh, with a photo of James Dolan looking really scary. So if you guys want to catch that, go catch that. 
Uh, we got a couple more pieces coming up this week, so keep an eye out. I'll keep you guys surprised. But I think our newest writer, uh, Michael Corvo, not to be confused with me, Anthony Corbo, um, I believe he has a piece coming up. Uh, what else do we got? We have... Yeah, we got some Nick's Film School coming up on Friday. I know you guys are uh, waiting, looking out for your uh, weekly Friday column, so... Uh, as always, Jeffrey Balone, the one and only, will be, uh, you know, your eyes. You'll like him. I think that's about it. I don't think we got anything else. It was a light week. Um, yeah, besides that, just cop some merch. Cop some merch. Cop some merch. That's, that's it. Uh, Christmas season is coming up, and we got both those Christmas sweaters out there. So make sure you guys get the merch, the Kylo Quinn Christmas sweater and the Mary Kristaps uh, Christmas sweater. This is the week. Let me real quick on that too. T Public, uh, our merch vendor, their cutoffs for the holiday season are right up on their website. I'm gonna try to grab them for you all right now. Um, you, in, or, in order to get you your don't product, have much time. In order to get your product shipped to you uh, through any of the DHL international options, you gotta have them in by December fifth. Uh, if you want like standard regular shipping, December 11th, and then it only if you want you know your cutoff is the 17th. That's the absolute last day that's UPS air, and you're gonna pay a shit ton for it. So get all your orders in by the 11th, and you'll have them in time for Christmas or whatever holiday it is you're celebrating. They say Christmas, but yeah, get them in. Lit. All right. Uh... That about wraps it up, Vic. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Guys, this was fun. Thank you very much. Uh, All right. So I'll see you guys next time then. See you. All right, guys. Take it easy. Bye-bye.